Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Well, no, it's not the morning. It's afternoon. My apologies there. Well, good afternoon. And this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I'll say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. You know, my job here is to encourage you to go out and find answers for yourself, go out and do some research, question everything, and use utilized critical thinking skills in every area of your life, not just when you're doubting religion or any other type of ideology, if you will, but in every area of your life. It's important that you understand that. You know, thinking outside of the box is a good thing. You know, so it's just really interesting. So anyway, it's been a lot going on this week. You know, <laughs> you know, I did that two-part series talking about um, start your own civil rights movement and stop hijack, hijacking ours. And I thought I was done with it, but with some of the developments of this week, it kind of ties into it, and it's just, I don't even know where to freaking start. You know, um, you know, I definitely want to talk about Brexit, and, you know, we need to talk about due process, this no-fly, you know, no no-buy rule or bill that they want to pass you know, why it's problematic, you know, talk about due process. And, you know, let me go ahead and define it for you real quick. Due process is fair treatment through the normal judicial system, especially as a citizen's entitlement. Okay, so fair treatment. And, you know, some of you all probably are rolling your eyes because for some of us, we're still waiting on some of that due process to, you know, trickle on down our way. But that's, you know, a whole different story. But um, it's been a lot. It's been a lot happening. I don't even know really where to begin. So I'll start with this. Thank you all for supporting the show. I'm looking at the archive hits, and it's been amazing. Thank you. I appreciate each and every last one of you. Pass the link around. You can find us here on Blog Talk Radio as well as iTunes, um, Stitcher, and a number of other places that you can find us on. I need to go ahead and start promoting it a little bit more in other places. But, you know, we're here, we're doing our thing, and we're moving forward. So today's show is Don't Make Me Put You on My List, right? And, you know, I think some of us, we got different lists, we got different people on the list for different reasons. And so, you know, I was not amused by that sit-in, and, you know, I called it for what it was in my eyes, which was political theater, and I was happy to see that quite a few other people saw it that way as well, and so, you know, I posted the one article with um, Keith Ellison, and about his mom left a note and told him to go sit on the floor with the other people, and you know, what was so interesting about that, and, you know, 
two different reasons. I, you know, I'm looking at it from a number of different perspectives. So just seeing that note in and of itself, I kind of chuckled because that's something my mom would do. Okay, getting all kind of text messages from my nieces and nephews and sisters. You know, mom said, take your butt over there and sit down on the floor. So, you know, <laughs> you know, for those of us that have parents that participated in the civil rights movement, you know, when they see something like that and, you know, they're hearing and seeing all of these talking heads, with all of these different types of commentary. But, you know, again, you know, looking at the situation that our country is in now, and I'm speaking specifically in America, black Americans, you know, I can see how some of the older people who are around and they're seeing what's happening, why that would be their sentiment. And many of them are just absolutely heartbroken because they marched so that we wouldn't have to. And, you know, and again, a lot of the information isn't necessarily out there, but then you have these people out here who twist the facts to a certain particular narrative. So all they see is John Lewis, you know, one of the civil rights legends and icon, sitting on the floor singing, we shall overcome. So, you know, and of course they think he's on the right side of the issue. So, you know, it's like part of me chuckles, you know, at the, at the note like that, but the other part of me is just totally enraged because, see, the general public doesn't really understand what's happening. I'm part of the general public, and I still don't fully understand what was going on. I just knew that was political grandstanding at its finest. And one of the reasons why, and this is why we have to talk to people, especially some of our older you know, parents, you know, especially the ones that came from that era, because, like I said, you know, with that particular bill, the no fly, no buy, that is a racially charged bill. And so I had someone say, well, don't tell me you don't endorse the bill or you're against the bill. And it's not necessarily so much I'm against the bill or for the bill. It's about due process. It's about people adding, you know, having grudges and adding people to this list. Hell, John Lewis himself was once on the no-fly list. And he wasn't taken off the no-fly list until 2008. They claim he was mistakenly put on the no-fly list. And see, and this is the thing, you have people out here, and, you know, we have to think about these things. You know, that's why when we start talking about the crime bill, you know, Bill and Hillary, you know, they can point to the black community and say, well, a lot of black community activists and leaders wanted us to do something because people were being slaughtered in the street. And with this particular no-fly, no-buy list, they could just throw your name on there and maybe eventually you'll get a chance to explain and have your name take, taken off the list. But maybe not because Why? The way that the bill is written, there is no due process. So you're just on the list, and you're shit out of luck. And so that's why I say when we look at these things, we have to look at it from a much broader perspective. And, you know, again, with this particular list, it's a lot of Islamophobia with this as well. You still have people out here insisting that, what happened in Orlando, and my heart goes out to all of those people 
and their family and their friends. And, you know, this is Pride Month, and this weekend is the Pride Weekend. You know, my heart goes out to them. And the story is unraveling. And what I mean by that is you have people out here still trying to claim that it was radical Islam. And that's not the truth. It's it's just it's really interesting because more information is coming out. But you still have some people running around trying to say it's because of his ideology. The guy didn't really know anything about Islam, especially if he was pledging allegiance to three different, you know, groups that hate each other. Come on. You know, but a lot of this is about, let me go ahead and call it out. We may as well do it early. It's about white men wanting to control the narrative and in some cases wanting to make President Obama buckle down, you know, to what they want and what they want to call it is radical, you know, Islamism, and it's not. And so I'm seeing a lot of that. But, you know, I'm looking around, and my news feed is, you know, on fire, watching these people, you know, talk about this particular situation, I saw some clashes, if you will, some people who were saying, those of us that were skeptical about it, saying that we weren't liberal or, you know, we weren't liberal or we weren't um, strategic. And then you had some progressives out there with whatever the hell they had to say. And it's a whole bunch. I just don't feel like really getting into it. And the rest of us were sitting back and we're laughing because we've been down this road. We've been down this road, and one of the reasons why some of us resent that particular stunt or that you know particular passion play, if you will, to be categorized as civil rights, you know, in action is because it doesn't have anything to do with civil rights. And what's so interesting is on that no buy, no fly, or no fly, no buy list, you know, that's going to hamper, in particular, black and brown people. And so, you know, again, we want people to call that to people's attention. Now, I've seen some stories, you know, I've been reading these articles, and so... (laughs) It's, it's, it's a couple of them out there that are saying, everybody relax, you know, that the sit-in and this no-fly, no-buy bill was put together to embarrass the Republicans. Well, I'm not quite so sure about that. You know, um, there was an article that came out Thursday that says, everyone calm down, the no-fly, no-buy bill was designed to embarrass Republicans Um, not to pass, and it's working. And so, you know, they're claiming that this was, you know, written purely to um, damage the the GOP, not that they need any more help. I mean, you know, Donald Trump in and of himself, um, you know, has pretty much imploded that political party. But, again, you know, you got all these people. Of course, you're going to have some people trying to explain different things away. But, you know, they just some of the articles talking about civil rights activist John Lewis added moral weight to the event. You know, and I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this 
And yet again, you know, my question is, you all want to do a sit-in for a bill that you know will never pass. And let's say it was, you know, written to embarrass the GOP. Well, why aren't you, you know, having this type of passion play political theater when it comes to, you know, racial parity, when it comes to wealth equality? When it comes to a number of other issues out here that are extremely important, I don't see you sitting in for that. My question is why? You know, and then we saw John Lewis singing, We Shall Overcome, and I'm like, and so, you know, I hate to do it, but, man, so over here on my one little list, yeah, it contains several names on it. And, you know, it's the same list in which Morgan Freeman, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson is on. And now I got to move John Lewis over to this list. And it actually hurts me more than it hurts him because it's like, man, come on. You freaking know better. You know better. You know better. And pulling stunts like this, it does nothing but, yet again, add another factor to the whitewashing of our history. And when I say our history, I'm talking about black history. And for some of you out there that are, you know, probably looking at the phone or looking at your computer sideways at me, I want you to think about something especially if you're a person of color and you're out as a non-believer, you can be put on that list too for a number of different reasons. And without due process, you'll probably remain on that list for the rest of your life. Now what? You know, and again, that's something that we have not talked about in this country the Islamophobia, you know, and and the scapegoating of Arab Americans. This is a conversation that needs to be talked about. We need to have, you know, and then I'm sitting back and I'm watching some of the libertarians, you know, not just in the secular community, but across the board here. And, yeah, you know, it's a bunch of conversations we need to have. And some of you that are falling in line with that particular narrative about the no-fly, no-buy, radical Islam, you know, rhetoric that's going around, I would encourage you to go out and do some research. You know, these people call themselves being tough on terror. Huh. Tough on terror. If you're going to be tough on terror, then we need to be, as they say, profiling white men. Last time I checked, they were the main ones terrorizing everybody in this country. So if we're going to be tough on terror, let's start with them and then work our way down, right? Right work our way down that list. 
So I'm sitting here, and, you know, I'm looking at it, and it seems as though, you know, you had all of these different players in that room, and you had people like Representative Louis Gohmert running around yelling radical Islam. And, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what to tell you because I'm seeing it all over the place. And, you know, I guess my question to you is, do you really believe that, you know, radical Islamists would shoot you before one of these angry white men? I mean, I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at this. And, you know, again, the big old purple and pink gorilla in the room, white men in their displaced anger. But nobody wants to talk about that. And I hate the fact that I feel as though, you know, again, we have certain civil rights icons. John Lewis knows better. He knows better. And this is why I can't give it a pass anymore. So, you know, he goes on my no pass list now. And it's just, it's it's amazing. You know, and there are so many different problems, you know, with this so-called no-fly list. And, again, racial profiling, Islamophobia, um, you know, again, background checks, you know, and that wasn't even sufficiently expanded in the manner that it probably should have been. And so, you know, what's so interesting is, yet again, You know, you have a lot of people out here that are, you know, running on fear. And, again, fear is an industry. This is how many of them make money, you know, and we have to be fair about the situation. So, yeah, I'm probably getting a few middle fingers, and that's cool. You know, as long as you sit on it and spin, I'm good with it. But, um, yeah, you guys. We got to start, I mean, we got to start thinking strategically. Hell, even the ACLU voted it down, gave it a thumbs down. You know, and the thing is, is that, you know, the, you know, the criteria being utilized to put people's names on this list, you know, is very vague, very ambiguous. And so, again, you know, how can you defend yourself if, if, the so-called evidence that they have against you, you know, when you, you know, place your Freedom of Information Act request in for it, everything is redacted. So you don't even know why you're even on these, you know, no-fly lists. It's crazy. And, again, you know, it, it puts you in a position where it becomes almost impossible to clear your name. And so, you know, the whole situation you know, looking at the reaction from the Congressional Black Caucus, you know, the Progressive Caucus, it's like this whole thing is just tiring, just tiring. And this goes back to, you know, something that I said a while ago about how we always have all of these daggers, obstacles, what have you, thrown at us. And we've gotten so accustomed to being in position to try to catch it or deflect it or outrun it, 
that we don't even realize that, you know, we're not breathing, that we're always on the defense, that we're always, you know, waiting for the shoe to drop. And that's how it's been, and that's how they will continue to do until we stand up and and say no more of this. But, again, you know, what's interesting is, you know, again, some of them are claiming that that bill was written you know, with um, the purpose of embarrassing the Republicans so that the Republicans will have to vote it down. Now, you know, that takes us into another category because this is an election season. And so, again, with this particular political theater, you know, if this is the Democrats' way of trying to ensure that – Democrats are voted back into office because, you know, some of the scuttlebutt is is that, you know, quite a few of them are going to lose this election season. You know, this is not how you do that. This is not how you do that. And John Lewis, like I said, you know better. You know better. What the hell is going on out here? And so I was just sitting here and just thinking about the whole thing and you know, we're going to come back to it and talk about it some more. I mean, I mean, just think about it. If we really want them to pass some real effective gun laws, all we have to do is go back into history. Look at what um, Black Panthers did in Sacramento when they took over the state legislature. And so what was interesting then is, is that the NRA, opposite side, you know, then, and after the Black Panthers went into the state legislature in California and took it over, then all of a sudden the NRA wanted gun control. At first it didn't, and then after that happened, they wanted gun control, and it's just it's really interesting, and it's important that you all go back and understand what happened and why, you know, Ronald Reagan Um, had a problem with the Black Panthers because they embarrassed him. That was extremely embarrassing for him. He was the governor at the time. And so, you know, we really wanted some real gun control right now, an effective bill. All black people have to do is go out and buy a gun, buy a couple of them, you know, a shotgun. And, you know, a handgun. You know, if you want some recommendations, you know, I'm a little bit more partial to <laughs> So anyway, I'm going to leave it alone. But, um, yeah, you know, I've been saying for a while that in light of what we're seeing, that people of color need to utilize their Second Amendment rights and position themselves to be able to protect themselves, their families, and their property. And if many of us would go out right now and start buying, you know, shotguns, handguns, what have you, yeah, we'd get some legislation passed quickly, you know. And so that's part of the problem now, the way that I see this, is with them randomly putting people, black and brown people, and yellow people on this list, you know, 
this is another way that they can control what we do, you know, as far as being able to protect our homes, also where we go, if we can go. And it's just it's just a number of problematic issues here. But again, I would encourage you guys to go out, take a look, and see what's happening and see how all of this came about. You know, if you really want to do some more in-depth research, go and look up the Second Amendment and look up militia and, you know, how it all came about with the slave catchers and all of that. If you're really interested in all how all of this came about, um, if you're interested in learning about due process, go and look that up, you know, the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment. Just just go and look it up, understand it, and understand how it's important to you and, and why you should know about it and understand it. And so I'm just sitting here because, you know, I feel bad because, you know, John Lewis is an icon. And the thing is, is that even if that bill had been written to embarrass the Republicans, why did he have to do it on the basis of, you know, the civil rights movement sitting there singing? We show, I'll never understand it. And even right now, I'm bridling my tongue, you know, as far as what I really, really, really want to say, you know. And it's just, this is nuts. This is nuts. And I think one of the reasons why, you know, I'm kind of pulling back, and I am going to pull back from, you know, where I was going to go with this, is because, you know, I'm not trying to get a phone call from some of the older people in my family telling me to walk it back. So um, we're going to move on from there, you know. But, again, whatever happened to due process, what's going on with that? And we need to be very careful about these things because this, you know, is, is, let's say hypothetically, you know, it passed. Let's just say hypothetically if it passed. What other kind of lists are they going to put together? And what will be the criteria, you know, for adding any of us to that list? And so as we said, we have to look at the bigger picture and see you know, it's for what it really is. But this here is definitely was political theater, which is about why the majority of us were sitting back, you know, very skeptical about, you know, what we were seeing. And, again, you know, you had some people out there that were excited. You know, they thought, yeah, we're getting ready to move into this new phase of the civil rights movement. And it was just a stunt. Political theater, as soon as Paul Ryan threatened them with arrest, then all of a sudden, all right, everybody ready to go home, you know, eating catered food. 
<laughs> you know, charging up their cell phones. You know, these things were not available for the young folks in Ferguson. These things weren't available for the young folks in New York or Baltimore or anywhere else, you know, where they were protesting. You know, John Legend and his wife, they did send out some food trucks. So, you know, that definitely was admirable. You know, they were they were trying to, you know, make sure that people out there were fed. But, you know, if you're going to do a sit-in, why aren't they doing sit-ins for things that, you know, that have a profound effect? I mean, black and brown children now are living under, you know, more of a poverty-stricken life now than they did 40, 50 years ago. Where were these people when they were cutting food stamps? And what's so interesting is I remember pointing it out when it happened, how food stamps, you know, were being reduced primarily for, you know, inner city children, but the people that lived out in the countryside in these rural areas, their their food stamps were increased. Where was the sit-in for that? You know, where were the think pieces for that? And it's absolutely amazing, you know, looking at all of this. And, you know, a bunch of folks that need to be called out for a number, number of different reasons. But this right here, guys, nah, it's not what you think it is. And, again, this, this is only being done you know, so that they can wield more political power. And so, you know, I'm going to come back to it, but I'm going to skip right now to talk about this Brexit. So for those of you that have been paying attention, um, they had a vote in London, well, not London, United Kingdom, Great Britain, and basically London happens to be in that country. Um they decided to leave the EU, the European Union, right? And so, you know, what I find amusing to this is that Britain was went all over the world colonizing everything and everybody, and now they want to complain about immigrants. And, you know, that you have people out here, you know, saying that it's about economics, but what it's really about is xenophobia. And so what's so interesting about it is that Scotland decided to stay in the EU. And so some people are anticipating Scotland um, putting forth their independence, putting forth, you know, legislation or what have you for its independence from Great Britain. So this is going to be interesting, but a lot of this is about, you know, this is racism, period. Racism. And it's amazing because the same thing is happening here as far as some of the rhetoric is concerned. And, you know, one of the things that I read about this particular um, issue here with the Brexit is that, you know, 
you have people running around using scare tactics, telling working class and poor people that this will have more of an effect on them than it would anyone else. However, that's not necessarily the truth because it's the big bankers. They, they're going to they're gonna lose money in this because when they have a centralized banking system, they're able to utilize those tools a lot more effectively, which means, you know, they're able to garner a much larger dividend and payoff for themselves. And so this is going to have an impact on their bottom line. And so I would, you know, implore you guys to go out there and take a look around and, you know, maybe try to answer some of your questions as to why this country still relies upon the Federal Reserve, why we have a centralized banking system. You know, these are important things that you need to know. You know, you don't have to be a subject matter expert in it, but be able to understand, you know, what's happening and why it's happening. So um, it's, it's really interesting because even over in Great Britain, there was a divide. You know, the older people wanted to, you know, wanted to stay, and the younger people wanted to break away. So, yeah. You know, and now they have a petition out to put the referendum back up for vote. So, yeah, you're gonna see more. <laughs> you're gonna see more racism. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at some of the graffiti, you know, in London, and this is from 2006, but it's telling a you know a specific group to go fuck off and call them scum. And what's interesting about that is that, you know, that type of xenophobia has been gaining more and more traction across Europe, you know, over the past several years, which is why I would, you know, post little articles here and there so that you all could see what was happening in France and Italy and, you know, but go back and pay attention because, you also need to understand what the EU is, the European Union, and how it affects us economically. It's important that you understand how all of that works. And um, the strongest economy in Europe is actually Germany. They have the strongest economy over there. So, you know, those are little facts that are very important for you to know and for you to understand, and especially to understand why the stock market took a dive and how, you know, you need to understand how global events like this does affect your bottom line, you know. So for your 401Ks, you know, your Roth IRAs, just a number of different ways in which you may have your money invested, um, you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention. You need to be more in tune of macroeconomics because... When you're dealing with a situation like this, it's more about macroeconomics. So this whole thing is just interesting. Like I said, I'm just sitting and looking around trying to get a better understanding of, you know, what's happening. And, you know, what was ironic is the fact that Donald Trump was over there in Scotland. 
he was opening some new golf facility or what have you. And, of course, they asked him about Brexit, and he he thought it was a wonderful thing, you know, and, and because he feels that they took their country back, just like America is going to take his country back. It's just, wow. And it just, it, it, it's about money. And I'm just laughing because, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of Americans have is that I remember this 10, 15, 20 years ago in which you had people running around upset and angry saying that the Japanese was buying up all the property and businesses in the United States. And I had to smack down a lot of those arguments even then. British people by far own more real estate in this country than Japanese people. And so you need to understand that relationship as well. And so, guys, um, I just want you to empower yourselves. Empower yourselves by understanding what's happening here. And especially with this immigration, you know, racism thing here, it's important that you understand because what happens over there has a direct effect of what's happening over here. And I remember, just go back and think about it, you know, when Syria, you know, when more people started leaving Syria and going to these other places, they were putting pressure on America America, to bring in more Syrians. And, of course, you know, Donald Trump and the rest of the crew had a problem with it you know, because their base had a problem with it. In all actuality, I really don't think Donald Trump or any of these people, especially if they own businesses in which they need service labor, you know, that makes it easier for them. They can hire people at a cheaper, you know, cheaper rate. And so, you know, for those of you that aren't aware, when you're a waitress or a bartender or what have you, in certain industries, they don't even have to pay you minimum wage they assume that your tips will get you to that particular minimum wage. And a lot of these industries and these restaurants and hotels and what have you, they um, they cheat. They cheat the workers. And so, you know, it's a lot more to it. You know, it's, it's not just, you know, a simple solution to a very, you know, complicated matter. So... Yeah, yeah, man, you know, British jobs for British workers. And it's just, it's amazing because, you know, I'm looking at the similarities about, you know, between what's happening there and what's happening here. And again, you know, it's about white men being afraid that they're losing their place, you know, whatever happens, that happens to be, you know, male, you know, white male supremacy. This is what we're talking about when we say white supremacy. And they're losing their power, and you have other cultures and ethnicities that are reproducing at a faster and higher rate, which is one of the reasons why they want to control your reproductive system. And so, again, I want you guys you know, to go out, pay attention, ask questions, 
Utilize critical thinking skills in every freaking area, you know. And like I said, you know, looking at some of these progressives, you've heard me come down on a lot of these progressives. Many of them are racist. Some of them are overt racist. Other ones, they... I can't say they don't know that they're racist. You know, they they they, they feel that their intentions are well-meaning while they hold us back. And so, yeah, this here is, we're in a really precarious situation. And what's interesting is they wrote that bill, the Democrats did, now, I've talked about Democrats and some progressive liberals being racist. And writing bills like this, you know, it just illuminates it. And so this is why I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and I'm reading. And my head is in my hand because, you know, you got so much going on all at the same time, want to tell people not to lose focus, you know, because when it comes down to human rights and civil liberties, we have to make sure we stay on top of it. We have to make sure that we continue to push. We have to make sure that we don't back down. But we also have to make sure that we are discerning who is doing what and why they're doing it. What are they going to benefit, you know, from doing A, B, C, D, and E? But in addition to that, John Lewis, I I don't feel that you should be doing this in the name of the civil rights movement. You know, I may be on the wrong side of the issue as far as you're concerned, but I feel what this does is that it whitewashes what our ancestors went through, and you went through it. You were there. So if you can help me to understand this a little bit better, I'm open. But at this point in time, it just, it was a stunt. Felt that it was a slap in the face to the people that lost their lives, livelihoods, what have you, during the civil rights movement. And even now, we have people out here pushing for civil and human rights that are losing their lives. And so, you know, like I said, it hurts me more than it hurts you because I didn't think I would ever have to put you on a list that had Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton on it. You know, but, you know, we people need to open their eyes and pay attention. And then if this was so pivotal, as some people are out here saying, why isn't why wasn't that, you know, the entire Congressional Black Caucus there? That's a question someone needs to ask. But in the meantime, you know, are we going to have sit-ins for, you know, public health? You know, as far as, you know, getting a single-payer option, are we going to have a sit-in to deal with 
um, reckless violence in all communities? You know, are we going to have a sit-in for, you know, um, wealth inequality or, you know, wealth equality? You know, we're going to have a sit-in so that the level, you know, the playing field is leveled, racial parity, all of these things. And so that's why I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this. And there's so much more that I actually want to say. But it's probably not necessary. Because the last thing I need is for somebody sending me a note (laughs) about, you know, what's happening here. Um, And I just need for you guys to pay attention because Donald Trump is going to come back and utilize the same playbook that helped Great Britain leave the EU. He's going to bring that back over here. And, I mean, honestly, if you all are paying any attention to him, you know, I didn't even know he was still running. They just, like, disappeared. You know, it's it's, it's like he's not running for anything. So the whole thing is just is, is, is crazy, you know, and how a lot of these people are um, kind of tied together. And it's about making money, and, you know, I'm sitting here looking at this, at these photo ops, because you got people that ran down there just so that they can have their pictures taken, same stuff that other people do. And so I'm just looking at it and um, absolutely disgusted. But, yeah, this is about racism, you know, with Great Britain leaving the EU. You know, and that's that's what it boils down to. You know, and, you know, there was um, a quote from Anil Dash, and he said, we must learn from Brexit. Elderly xenophobes will lie to pollsters to hide their racist views, then vote for destructive policies anyway. And that happens in this country, you know. And um, <laughs> it's just—it's amazing. I'm gonna—I'm gonna post this article in the next couple of days or so about you know some of the rhetoric that was taking place over in Great Britain, and you got people over there talking about the nigger vote, and you know, and all of this. But yet, this wasn't racism. And that's why, you know, I just find it absolutely hilarious, especially in some of these communities in particular, you know, a lot of the communities in which there are intersectional, um, you know, where we intersect. And, um, yeah, where it's intersectional. And it's just... It's the same shit. All right, so we have a caller. Let me go ahead and add them into this. 415, may I ask who's calling? Yes, my name is Donaldson. 
calling from Northern California. Donaldson. 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 Okay, very good. Yeah, it's a little noisy because I'm standing. Well, I have a bicycle. I'm walking, you know, down the street. I'm not trying to ride and talk, but. Right. Uh, plus, I've got myself a 40 ounce. No, it's not 40. It's actually only 24. Anyway, but uh, the, the, what I wanted to say was that um, I, I heard you mention two things that really stand out to me. I, I'm a I am a, a private business owner here in San Francisco, and I own a you know my own company, mm-hmm. job, whatever. And I also study law for the past six years, and I I have a, a specialty for meditation as well. I'm a very good meditator, and can do um, you know the deep, the deep insight. Uh, meditations necessary to, you know, get that that help actually with uh, alleviating the frustrations of day-to-day living. Um, but I, I want to say something though about what you. I, I'll ask you a question too. Are you aware of the civil rights that you are talking about uh, and the origin of those? Because they came mostly from the Fourteenth Amendment. Not, not to mention, states had, sta- you know, started to, free states had started to enact legislation that would allow formerly enslaved men or women to, um, you know, live as free men in their in their states, but it wasn't uniform, and and. So, so the Fourteenth Amendment served as a as a uh, as a second class of person. It created a whole different class of person, uh, and this is something that was outside of the founding fathers' original concept of this country. Because anyone who looks at the history and looks at the Articles of Confederation can see that people it said white men can travel, right? Free, right. freely, but you have to remember that you can't. I'm not white because I'm Scottish. I'm white because I'm accepted in society. White has nothing to do with color of skin. I believe that it's all a play on words, and we've been manipulated by the by something or someone to believe it has to do with skin color when white actually has more to do with um status in society um as far as property rights go and so the leaders my heart goes out to the civil rights leaders of the 60s and who were used as pawns to to you know, embolden a society of people, you know, a mass of people to believe that civil rights had anything to do with the original freedom that was established for men and women in this country, regardless of their color. And the other thing I wanted to say was that your Uh comment about Donald Trump and that he was going to do the same thing that, um, EU or Britain had done and and used the same you know format or game plan to to secede from something right well i want to ask you what 
what state is Donald Trump from? And is he going to is he going to start with that state and say, let's secede from the United States as president? He's going to try to, like, say, OK, I'm from Connecticut, so I'm going to follow the blueprint of of Britain and secede from the United States. And as president, I authorize it. You're saying that's what's going to happen. Okay. Basically. So. Well, no, that's not what I said. I said he was going to take the gameplay that was utilized in Britain and bring it here. I never said oh. anything about a state succeed. Um, excuse me, I'm speaking. And you I are never speaking, said but answer anything. the question, though. Yeah. Okay, you answer I, that. But anyway, what like I was saying, I was never, I never said that you know, a state was going to succeed from the union. I was talking about the game book, the game plays, and he's going, I mean, you already see it happening here. We want our country back. We want to make America great again. They want to close off the borders. Anyone that's here, whether you're documented or undocumented, they want to send them back. And so he's just going to go, come back here and exploit and manipulate the situation that has taken place over in Great Britain that plays to the fears of people in this country. And as I've stated before, fear is an industry. Anti-black is an industry. You know, the xenophobia doesn't even just have to be black people per se. You know, and so you have a lot of these things. You have people over here that are truly afraid and the most fearful group right now, it seems to be white men losing their so-called supremacy. And so I'm going to go back and address something, you know, (laughs) that he stated because, you know, again, with that particular libertarian thought process, and thanks So this week you're Donaldson, but last week, no, two weeks ago you were Jeremiah. (laughs) But, um, you know, what's so interesting about that is, Again, race in and of itself is a social construct, and it only has value because we allow it to have value. However, in the United States, you know, written to the very fabric of the U.S. Constitution, it delineates between white men and everyone else. And in particular with black people, we are considered of human. And a lot of that same attitude takes place now. You know, what's so interesting is if a person of color, namely a black or Latino person, does something, then we are called thugs and we're called dogs or shoot them in the street like they're just a number of different things. And, you know, what's really interesting is You know, you have people, white people, who are, you know, basically they will try every tactic that they can use in order to try to basically absolve themselves of a system that was created by and for them in which they still greatly benefit from. And, you know, it's interesting because we, many of us believe that in order for us to break down systemic institutionalized racism, that is going to have to come by the hand of white people. 
you're going to have to shoulder the majority, the bulk of the problem and fix it because you're not listening to us. And, you know, what's so interesting is, again, you have some of these people out here that try to formulate these, you know, nonsensical arguments such as, well, there is no such thing as race. And if there is no such thing as race, then there is no such thing as racism. And they expect us to believe this. And then on the other hand, they try to tie racism and sexism and all of these other, you know, negative characteristics or traits, they try to tie it to religion. And that's not the truth. Everything negative, they want to tie it to religion. And and what's so interesting is, you know, they want to claim that they are morally superior to believers. And so, you know, it's really interesting because it's like we truly lived in a colorblind, post-racial America. We wouldn't be having conversations like this. As a matter of fact, I bought a book, and it was talking about how do we still have race racism when we have no races. And, you know, now you've motivated me to make that very next book I read. I'm going to get through that book this week. And so, you know, the whole thing is really interesting. So, yeah, you know, Donaldson, Jeremiah, putting you on the libertarian, you know, jokester list over there, you know. And, you know, what's so funny and what's so interesting is, you know, um, just looking at the whole situation and hearing the different excuses that are out there. And, yes, Donald Trump is going to exploit what happened in Great Britain, you know, and basically he's going to do that so that he can, you know, possibly, I think he knows he's not going to win, but he's going to do that to kind of bolster whatever chances that he may have. And as someone stated earlier today, you know, they feel as though Donald Trump's candidacy was more so about marketing his businesses which is true, which is why they're in the I don't give a damn mode right now. And so we just have to look at this for, you know, what it is. You know, even if he loses, if the American public wants that wall, well, he wants his people to build that wall. So, um, yeah, man, let me tell you, it's just interesting, some of the people, you know, that, you know, you run across, you know, and, and some of the mindsets. But, again, you know, I've talked about how you have a lot of, you know, white people that do not necessarily understand the history that they've been born into. And so, you know, going back to what Donaldson, formerly known as Jeremiah, said, um, when he was talking about, you know, he's not necessarily a white man per se, He's Scottish. Now, you know, the truth to that particular matter is way back when, you know, white people were, you know, they were called Scottish or Dutch or French or wherever they happened to be from, right? And so what happened was the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, who are the quote-unquote true white people, 
you know, they their numbers were decreasing. They weren't um, breeding as, as they weren't, you know, breeding as much as the other groups. And so then that's when they put together this concept of whiteness. And slowly they adopted other people into that particular circle. So initially it was white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, and that those are basically European. So from France, Great Britain, Germany, those people, right? And then they allowed people like the Scottish, the Dutch, the Irish, certain parts of Italy, the northern parts of Italy, took a while for the southern parts of Italy to be, you know, people from that, that region to be considered white because they are so dark. You know, many of them are as dark as myself, which is interesting. But um, so, you know, they slowly start adding different people to that particular Venn diagram. Why? Because, again, they want to safeguard their wealth, they want to safeguard their supremacy. They want to safeguard all of these different things. And as their population numbers go down, you know, eventually they understand that they're going to lose power. And so by inducting these other groups into that whiteness hierarchy, they're able to maintain some semblance of power. And that is a lot of what you're seeing now when you see some of these people, like, with the police department. Have you ever really paid attention how, you know, a lot of police officers are Irish? Maybe you need to go back and research that, you know, and some are Italian. But for the most part, they're Irish. But with the Italians, you know, you have your sanitation and all of that. Go back and research how that came about. With Jewish people, you know, primarily over educational system, go back and look that up and see where it came from and how it was set up this way. You know, and so, you know, what's so interesting about this is, you know, you have people like Donaldson, formerly known as Jeremiah, who like to come on you know, call into these shows and and spout whatever it is they want to talk about, you know, in an effort to bolster whatever type of agenda or what have you that they may have. And then they get upset when they find out that, you know, you can hold a strong conversation with them and counter whatever ridiculousness they bring to you. And so, you know, again, I just find it, you know, absolutely amazing, you know, that you have people like this. And, you know, again, they're looking at it from their perspective as far as them maintaining their wealth, them maintaining their, you know, dominance and what have you. And it's important that you guys understand, you know, what that is and how it comes about and how they try to twist the language in such a way to make it seem as though, you know, their objections or their viewpoints are logical, and they're not. So, again, like I stated earlier, you know, how is it that we still have racism when you have people out here claiming that nobody in this country is a racist? You know, you know, there is no such thing as race. Therefore, racism does not exist. 
And you have a lot of people that believe that. And like I said, some of them tie it to religion and ideology. And especially in the secular community, you have people that uh, that come to this community and say that, you know, now that they're not believers anymore, that, you know, they used to be racist and sexist. And that's not the case anymore because they're no longer believers. Don't fall for that okie doke. Don't fall for the okie doke. So all I'm saying is, you know, a couple of weeks ago when you called in, you wanted books. And so, yeah, you know, I'll be happy to give you some books. When Affirmative Action Was White, Ira Katz Nelson. He also wrote a book called Fear Itself. There is a book called White Trash, The 400-Year Untold History of Class in America by Nancy Eisenberg. You know, I just bought that one, so I haven't had a chance to read it yet. You know, White Rage, The Unspoken Truth of Our Racial Divide, Carol Anderson. You know, go look that up and go and read that. Um, The Hidden Cost of Being African American, How Wealth Perpetuates Inequality, Thomas Shapiro. You know, it's a bunch more, you know, incarcerating the crisis, freedom struggles, and the rise of the neoliberal American crossroads by John, by Jordan Camp, you know. And it's just a number of more books, you know, and which I know you're not going to go and read any of them. And this right here is pretty much an exercise in futility because I'm always talking about different books. Michelle Alexander, The New Jim Crow. You know, and you're not going to read it. Why? Because you have your mind set and your mind is not open to other viewpoints. And these are some of the things that we have to deal with, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And especially when you have people that are out here that are trying to utilize, you know, Jedi mind tricks to, you know, try to influence your way of thinking towards whatever it is that they may happen to believe. And so, you know, there you go with all of that there. But, yeah, guys, go out, do some reading, pay attention to what's happening. But, yeah, with that, you know, with Great Britain exiting the EU, it is a matter of racism. Again, that's my opinion. And what's so interesting about this, you know, what kind of caught me by surprise is that Jill Stein, you know, had pretty much some of the same thoughts as Donald Trump. Now, that actually floored me. Um, Yeah. You know, and I need to do some more reading on this, you know, because, you know, it was an article that went through and only got a chance to kind of, you know, browse through it a little bit. But, yeah, Jill Stein, no. Um, It's amazing trying to see, you know, how people are landing, you know, on what side of these issues. Just like people were surprised when Elizabeth Warren um, didn't side with the Palestinians, you know, being caught up in a state of apartheid over there. And so, you know, this just means we need to do more research on, you know, these people 
and what's happening. And what's so interesting is when they questioned Donald Trump, you know, when he was talking about his new golf course over there in Scotland, um, he was saying that the price of the pound will come down, and that's good for him for business, you know, because it's all about economics. And so this is why I tell you people, you know, you need to go and do a little bit more studying on macroeconomics and, you know, how how all of this is coming about. But, yeah, you know, I was really surprised, you know, Jill Stein, you know, was praising what happened. And so maybe I need to do a little bit more research not only on her and her stance on this, but a little bit more research on, you know, what Brexit was about. The way me and many others see it, it was about xenophobia, you know, but maybe I missed something somewhere. So my mind is open enough for me to go back and read and see, you know, what I may have missed. But, yeah, you know, this whole thing is a big mess. And it does for those of you who are saying, well, you don't care, it doesn't have an impact on my life. Yes, it does. It does It does have an impact on you and your life, you know, and for a number of different reasons. You know, what, what I try to stress to people, especially Americans, is that we have to think more globally. Why? Because we're competing globally. So it's important for you to understand, you know, what's happening, not only here in America, but, you know, in other places as well. So, yeah, there you go. That's what's been going on. You know, everybody was surprised that David Cameron, you know, um, resigned. And um, it's just interesting. You know, if you really want to find out about the politics happening over in Britain now, you know, their quote-unquote right you know, leaning party, um, they were all for this. And so even if you compare Donald Trump's um, political stances, if you will, to those on the right in Europe, you'll see a lot of similarities there. And this is one of the reasons why we think it's important for you to keep abreast of what's happening in other countries. So that's why I was a little disappointed when Al Jazeera America was shut down. But you still have Al Jazeera, you have BBC, you have Alternate, and a number of other, um, you know, periodicals or magazines available to you, you know, via the Internet. So, you know, again, you know, we don't have a racism problem in America because we don't have race. There is no such thing as race. You're never going to be able to convince me of that. Why? Because I live it. I live it every day. Every day. Not only do I live with racism, whether it's systemic or individual racism, you know, we got to deal with the colorism even within our own communities. It's not just black America. You have it in, you know, Asian communities, Latino communities. You know, it's, it's you know, it can be complicated. And so when you have someone come in and try to simplify it, you know, like, oh, this is just common sense. We'll just have a constitutional convention and change it. You really think it's going to be that easy? You know, it's, it's like the same argument that I had 
when President Obama was elected. Oh, all that racism is going to go away. You really think that? Well, most of it. Are you sure you really think that? Yeah. That didn't happen. So, you know, it's it's interesting just looking at all of this. And like I said, you know, having a number of different lists, you know, and um, it's just funny. So I'm going to come back to it. But, you know, I'm just laughing because my original, my original intent with, with, you know, becoming a part of this particular community. It was to change the narrative, right? And I've done that. You know, we have people talking about real issues and real problems and how we can be, you know, how we can utilize resources and create resources to make life a lot easier and better for ourselves as well as some others. And so it's so funny because it's like on a number of occasions I've talked about people coming over to steal talking points. And they do it. They still do it. You know, thanks thanks for letting me know. You know, and I'm just laughing because now all of a sudden people are having call to actions after I talked about it on the show. You know, and you know the whole thing is funny to me. You know, so I, you know, I guess I'm supposed to be, you know, put in my place and and know know my place and shut up because you typed it out in all caps with an exclamation point. Ooh, I'm scared. What are you gonna do? manhandle me like you have some of the women that have been in your life. So, you know, the whole thing is quite interesting. And especially because I know we're going to probably more than likely run into each other next month. So I'll be waiting. And, you know, what's so interesting is that, you know, how can someone call themselves a feminist when they're verbally, emotionally, mentally, and physically abusive. Then you turn around and change your name, but you didn't change your attitude. You brought all of that sickness over to the other side. You were running from one problem, not realizing the problem is you. And now you're bringing it over here. So I just thought I'd bring that to your attention, you know, before you start playing with fire. So, yeah. You know, you change your name legally. We all know. And we also know the real deal. So, play with fire if you want to, my darling. I suggest that you keep it walking, keep it moving. 
So anyway, you know, what am I going to do for the rest of the day? I have a meeting, you know, maybe a little bit later on I'll let my Twitter trigger fingers loose and get out there, you know. What's so interesting is, you know, you have these people who, you know, they are so desperate for celebrity, you know, looking for a come up, you know, trying to make some money or what have you. And they don't understand people like me who really don't want to be in the front. I have absolutely no real interest in it, but was kind of forced into that particular situation. And, you know, even now maintain a pretty low profile. And so you want to say folks are playing around and staying in the shadows and all of that and, you know, having a problem with it. And so, you know, what, you know I'm just trying to understand, you know, for those that are not interested in being up front and playing a role more on the back office, on the back end, you know, what's so wrong with that? Especially when you got somebody that's trying to push themselves to the forefront and you're, you're not even using the original government name your mom and daddy gave you because you're trying to hide. I think that's actually more deceitful than the people who don't want to be in the forefront. So choose that and put that on your list. So anyway, you know, that is is just hilarious, you know, how all of this is coming about. But, um, yeah, with this piece of legislation, as far as no buy, no fly, it's nothing but racism. You know, and they're trying to use that gun control issue as an excuse to be racist, and that's basically what it boils down to. You know, and also with people running around, you know, pointing at any, you know, anybody other than white folks and saying, calling us terrorists and, you know, all of these different names. It's just it's absolutely amazing because yet they refuse to call a lot of these mad white mass shooters, white male mass shooters. You refuse to call them a terrorist. White folks have been terrorizing everybody all over this globe for a long time, especially in America. But they're just misunderstood. And what's so interesting is they scapegoat people that have mental health issues, say, oh, well, you know, he had to have had, no, there was nothing wrong with him. He was just mad. And so, you know, I'm sitting here and we're watching this and that so-called civil disobedience, you know, it was just, it was bullshit. You know, and the thing is, is that, you know, the the people that they want to add to the list are only suspected of being terrorists. You know, secret government watch list. They got them, you know, and it was just one of many. So this is what I'm telling people, you know, go out and pay attention and how a lot of this bias, you know, is against Muslim 
and Middle Eastern people, black and brown people, you know, it's a lot of this, a lot of this happening. You know, unfortunately, you have a lot of people who do not read these bills. And you know what? I'm one of them. I I don't read all of that. I usually go and I'll get some of the, you know, the points and take a look, you know, and a lot of pork in a lot of these bills. And so, you know, don't let them fool you. And even if it's being endorsed by the Democratic Party, that does not mean that it's something that should be heralded, that, you know, you don't have to read it because the Democratic Party has our best interest in mind. That is not true. There are a lot of races in the Democratic Party. This is something that we've been trying to get you all to understand. You know, your best bet is to be an independent. But, uh, you know, you've got a lot of stuff happening. And you need to go and look up the history of terrorism in America because basically the terrorism that's happened in America has primarily targeted communities of color. And so this is why, you know, we tell you, because even with some of the current community and grassroots movement, those people are being, you know, trust me, they're being surveilled by the police and the FBI and a number of other groups out there. And it's important that you all understand the history behind that and do not take it for granted, you know, saying that the Democratic Party has always been there for us. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. And unfortunately, you have a lot of, you know, black politicians that just kind of go along with the program, even if it's to the detriment of, you know, people in our community. So um, you need to pay attention. You know, they're not sitting in about police brutality. You know, they're not sitting in about, you know, the poverty rate in this country. They're not sitting in because of institutional and systemic racism. They're not sitting in for any of that. And you need to start questioning why. You know, that is the big question. Why? And so, again, you know, all you can do is bring the information to people. It's up to you to go out and do the research on your own. But... Just please be aware that there are people out there that will exploit you, um, people that will try to manipulate you to, you know, join their team or to see things as they see them. And in, in many cases, it's to your own detriment, but you don't realize that until the very end. So... You know, it's been real interesting, and it will continue to be really, really interesting um, as far as what's happening here. I found another article. I'm going to read this a little bit later, but, yeah, I'm not even going to give you the title because this is on one of those right-wing pages. I just want to go and read something, but, yeah, you know, you just get tired of it. You get tired of it, and especially when you have someone that's um, that's 
you know, an icon or a legend, you know, that was there. You know, you just start wondering what the hell is going on. And even if it was, you know, that bill was written to embarrass Republicans, hypothetically, you know, and see, I can't even go into hypothetics because we've got to deal with reality, not, you know, what if. So, yeah, go up and, like I said, look up due process and see what it means and see why it's important and why we have to have it because um, I'm just looking at this and, you know, this is going to be really interesting. I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was talking about next year, 2017, and how I think, you know, the shit is going to hit the fan toward the latter part of next year and the beginning of 2018. So, you know, I'm just going to share that a little bit right now, but keep your eyes open because, like I said before, this economy is going to take another dip. And I think that's when it's going to hit us hardest. So pay attention if you can. Stock a few dollars away because, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, in one of the articles, it talks about Dearborn, Michigan, and how they have the second highest number of watch list individuals. What a lot of people in America don't seem to realize or understand is that Michigan has the largest Muslim population in the country. And so, you know, they have some very beautiful mosques and, you know, architecture up there you want to go and see. But, yeah, you need to go and take a look. Michigan is also one of the most racist states in the union. So you go on and you go and take a look around and see how, you know, Certain people are targeted. You know, there's a history of this. You know, anyone who criticizes the U.S. government, you know, they're placed on list. Anybody fighting for liberation or social justice or what have you, they're put on list. And so the whole thing is, you know, mind-boggling. And the thing is, is that you'll have people say they want you to explain it to them. And then, you know, they'll refuse to listen. So, yeah, you know, the Democratic Party, you know, no. They don't, you know, deserve any accolades or any, you know, that's telling them or any of that. Because what they did was, you know, they created a bill which would have created even more racist and discriminatory um, um, policies and measures put in place that will hurt black and brown people. So, again, mm -mm, question it. Question it all. So, anyways, you know, I'm just looking at all of that, and I think I'm going to shut it down. And, um, you know, we'll try it again next Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And so maybe we'll talk about that little dialogue, you know, a dialogue with, you know, people of faith 
you know, black and brown people of faith, you know, talk about that money cult and, you know, capitalism and prosperity gospel. You know, it's going to be more than one show, but eh, we'll just play it by ear. Let's see what happens this week. I'm pretty sure someone is going to do something spectacular. So, anyway, you guys enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I know I am. All right, so we're out of here, you guys. You take it easy. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.